so grateful for your presence tonight to remember our Lord and Savior as he suffered that week, that night, on the cruel cross of Calvary. But before we get into that story and all that happened that night, we want to just acknowledge God, acknowledge who he is, and just praise him for what he's done for all of us. So if you would, let's all stand together and let's sing together, Jesus paid it all. Jim is going to come help lead us in the first part of it. Watch and pray, find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it by the sword.
Yeah, where there is no cross, there is no crown. But because there was a cross, there is a great crown that Christ Jesus has afforded to us. You may be seated. This is a day unlike any other day of the year. Good Friday, a day of great remembrance, a day of great regret for our sin, but certainly a great day of praise and rejoicing that Christ took our sin upon himself. The prophet Isaiah, 800 years before Christ came to do ministry here on earth, said these words in the 53rd chapter, speaking of Jesus in a prophetic way, he grew up before him like a young plant, like a a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. We, all like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and a sheep that is before its shearer, it's silent, so he opened not his mouth. And then down in verse 10, Isaiah says this, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days. What great prophecy. Father, we're so grateful that from eternity past, you, the triune God, was planning for our redemption before we were born, before we sinned. You were making a way for us. Thank you that your love is so for us that you would come after us. Thank you that you would send your beloved son because you loved us and wanted us to be sons and daughters of yours. We recognize this night, among all other nights, as the night that that plan was fulfilled. We are so grateful for the cross, so grateful that Christ died in order that we might be alive, so grateful that he took our brokenness upon himself that we might have his wholeness, so grateful that he took on our iniquity that we might take on his righteousness, so grateful that he has made our lives significant back again to the purposes that you have for us to be made in your image, to bear your image, and to live out your service. So Lord, on this night, we commemorate this night as a night of memory. We commemorate what you have done. We meditate. Help us to do so with great introspection and deep thought. Help us, Lord, to gain significance from this evening among all others, that Christ, his death, has made everything different in this world, 
that by the death of Jesus Christ came a revolution for the universe. We recognize this and pause this evening to reflect and thank you and worship you and rejoice in who Christ has made us to be. In the name of Jesus, amen. So grateful that you're here on this evening's Worshiping Christ. The worship team is going to lead us throughout this evening. Uh, towards about two-thirds of the way through the service, we will pause and have communion together. At Meadowbrook, we invite anyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ who has examined himself or herself before the Lord and has prepared their heart for communion. We invite you to come to the table. And I mean that very literally tonight. There will be six stations around the room tonight from the back to the front. And when it comes time, which I'll direct you, you'll simply come to the table and take communion by taking the bread, dipping it into the cup, and eating that as you do so in remembrance of Christ. Now Kevin's going to lead us on as we worship. Something is coming. I can feel it. A revolution. Tonight, the Passover meal was different. It wasn't about remembering what the Father had done. It was about something deeper and greater. What the Father is doing. 
Will Jesus be the one to finally break the oppression of the Romans? Will we finally fight for and gain the freedom we once had? Oh, I long for that. I long to take control for justice. I'm ready. I'm also a little scared, but, but ready. I've never been part of anything like this. But I, I will not cower. I promised Jesus that I would be by his side. That I would fight for him to the death. And I would. Jesus is... Jesus has become my best friend. So strange to say, it's only been a few years, but man, the stories we can tell. I'll never forget the time I tried to walk on water like he did. (laughs) That's embarrassing. (laughs) He does such amazing things. Never afraid. But then he'll do something that Only the lowliest servant would do. Like tonight, he knelt in front of me and washed my feet. Why would he he do that for me? I'm I'm nobody. I've failed him so many times when I've tried to be brave. I want to be as brave as he is. But right now, it's been such a long day. I just feel tired. But I can't sleep. I have to stay awake. Jesus said to watch and pray. I've got to be ready. Ready for what? I don't know. Jesus' voice. I can hear him praying. Sounds different. He sounds full of grief and sorrow. He almost sounds afraid. My, my Jesus afraid? Does he not think we'll be victorious? Oh, he thinks I'll. He thinks I won't stand by him. He's, he said it before. He said that I would betray him, but I could never do that. What kind of friend would I be? I will defend Jesus even if it means my life. Father, let me not be filled with fear. Fill me with courage and with strength. Keep me from temptation, Father. Redeem us, Lord. What was that? I heard something. Jesus, they're coming, many of them. The time is here, but I am ready. I will fight. Jesus!
crash to his knees the light of hope above the world now overwhelmed with grief what nameless horrors must he see to cry out in the Take this cup away from me, yet not my will, but yours, yet not my will, but yours. To know each friend will fall away And heaven's voice be still For hell to have its vengeful day Upon Golgotha's hill No words describe the Savior to be by God forsaken Till wrath and love are satisfied And every sin is paid And every sin is paid wretched place what kept him on this road his love for Adam's cursed race for every broken soul no sin too slight to overlook no crime to to carry I'll mingled in this poison cup and yet he drank it all the Savior drank it all
He was just a man, just a simple man, this Jesus. But why does my heart race? Why do I feel weak when I look into his eyes? I am not weak. I am Pilate, the governor. I am strong. I am powerful. I cower to no one. Does he not realize that his life lies within my hands, I make the final decision. Yet there's something unsettling in the silence that comes after my questions. He does not defend himself. He does not fight for his rights. What's this about? This man is innocent. I find no reason to turn him over to a sentence of death. But the people, they are convinced they're sure that he must die. What do I, what do I do? I, I cannot think. Their cries, their screams. It's loud and unbearable. Shut up, I ask. Just be quiet. I command you. What do the people have against this Jesus that stands for execution? Oh, it did not even please him that I was willing to have Jesus punished, beaten, flogged, and humiliated. Was there no satisfaction in that? They're bloodthirsty, angry, and have absolutely no regards for his life on trial. They seek revenge for him for some sort. Something about this, I don't feel right to carry this out. I, there's something deep within my, the laws that, even for the rights of this man that tells me he should not die. But I've tried. I have. I've tried. I've done what I can. The people will not listen. I've offered Barabbas, a man that deserves death. But they will not waver. They, they, they don't even see him. They look right past him and with evil intent with their eyes and disdain on their faces and they will not budge. Well, I would not be made a joke. The outcome of this disgrace with this mob, it could be costly, but it's important that I satisfy the people. Is there any other way? I don't know. Think. I could wash my hands clean of all this, but I could, could I ever? I don't know. Could I ever wash my conscience clean? Couldn't my mind even be at rest after turning this innocent man over to the cruelest of deaths? My own wife even wondered. But what other options do I have here? None. I have no other options. But this decision falls on the people, not me. If they want his life, they can have his life. If they're bloodthirsty, they are. 
then let his blood be on them, on all of them. I wash my hands of this. I wash my conscience clean of this. That people want crucifixion, then crucify him. I hardly know what happened. I was coming into town with my boy, my son, for Passover. I had no idea that, that a great mob of people were coming in my direction. There was a loud commotion, but I couldn't see what all the yelling and all the anger was about. Until around the corner, there came a man so badly beaten, so badly flogged, that he could barely walk. He could hardly breathe. I could hardly see his face. There was so much blood and so much dirt that even if I had known who he was, I wouldn't have been able to recognize him. He was alive, but just barely. And then I caught his eyes. And his eyes told me that he was a man of compassion. This was no man of crime, but the people around me, they despised him. They cursed his name. I clearly heard them say that his name was Jesus, but I didn't understand it. Is this not the same man that just days ago, these same people, they were praising his name. They were worshiping him. What could he have done to cause them to turn on him so quickly? And then they told me to carry Jesus' cross. They didn't ask me to carry it. They gave me no choice. So I took the cross from his back and put it onto mine. The weight was so heavy and the road seemed forever long. I had now joined Jesus in all of the humiliation, all of the shame, and everyone screamed their insults in our direction. What must my son be thinking as he watched his dad participate in this parade of disgrace? With every harsh and every cruel word, the cross got heavier, and it was harder to carry. And then we reached the place. I almost felt relief as I dropped the cross to the ground. But at the same time, I felt dread, and my heart broke for the man beside me. Jesus was about to be crucified on the very cross that I just carried for him. I will never, ever forget this day.
I crucified Jesus. That's what the crowd wanted. So that's what they got. Personally, I don't think that man deserved that. I mean, I don't think he did anything to deserve that. But I was just a soldier doing my job. When the governor gave the order, I went to work. I loved that job. I mean, I felt like I was administering justice every time I nailed someone to a tree. But that man, he didn't deserve that. I remember I was stationed at Golgotha that day, and we just raised up our second criminal when they brought him to me. I'll never forget the way he looked. I mean, he was beaten, bruised, bloody, skin ripped from his body, just unrecognizable as a man, hideous. They stripped the rest of his clothes off his body, and I went to work. Generally, when you crucify a man, first hand's the hardest. I mean, they want to get away, so they fight you. I just have two soldiers hold them down. But this guy, he didn't put up a fight. I thought maybe he was just exhausted. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of things as executioner. You know, I've been spit at, cussed at, I've had people plead with me. But I was not prepared for what happened next. He looked at us. He looked at me. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Gave me. Then I remember I, I looked up. I saw him take one last deep, agonizing breath. And he said, It is finished. And then he died. Surely this man was the Son of God.
Is this the way an innocent man should be treated? Mary Magdalene, please. No. This is a tragedy, and I will not be quiet this time. Jesus never deserved to be treated with such heartless cruelty. Those men were evil and, 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 and uh, heartless. There wasn't an ounce of evil in Jesus, none. Why must he have been hammered to a cross? Why? There was no need in it. Those men should be put to shame. Oh, Lord, it should have been me. Oh, no, Mary. No, no. I've, I've done so many things. I deserve to die that kind of death so much more than that precious, innocent man. Jesus would never want you to think that way about yourself. But, but it's true. Your past is gone, Mary. Jesus healed you of that. Do you not remember? I just feel so helpless. I wish we could have done something. I, I wish we could have stopped it from happening. But all we could do was just watch and witness just the most horrifying things I've ever seen in my life. I know. I know. They spit on him and they hit him like he was absolutely nothing. I can still hear the sounds of the whips in my ears. They treated him like he wasn't even human. No one else could have survived. To think that he was with us yesterday and dying today. He's done so much for me. Healed me of my sick mind and heart. And I never got a chance to repay him. I know. I mean, I had nothing to offer his ministry. But he, he treated me like I was important. Like, like I had something to offer. He, he never treated me with disgust, and he could have. He, he never looked down on me for my past. He just, he just looked at me with a love in his eyes, I, into my soul. Yes, I know. He, he always accepted me, and he never shamed me. He always treated me with kindness. But I don't understand. What could have happened that they would treat Jesus like a criminal? What do we do? Mary, we have to go say goodbye. I can't. I, I can't. Come. Let's go prepare the spices for his burial. It's the only way that we can show Jesus that we love him. You're right. I must accept that he's gone, but, but know that I can, I can still honor him. Jesus. I will never, ever forget you.
you thought about why Christ was making you clean? That song says, we're made clean and declared worthy. Worthy for what? You thought about that lately. This night, this day, is all about Christ making us clean and making us worthy. Certainly. But what is he doing? What is he accomplishing? When he says that we're worthy, worthy for what? I think if we want to really answer that question, we ought to go all the way back to the Exodus. In Exodus chapter 6, if you remember, God is speaking to Moses there. And in that chapter, Moses is understanding what God is doing. He's coming to rescue a people. He's coming to redeem them, to take them out of slavery, coming to relieve them of the burden that had been placed against them by the Egyptians. And when God and Moses are interacting, God says to Moses, you tell the people of Israel, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will deliver you from slavery. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people. And I will be your God. Now, certainly God was not just showing mercy on a people. He was showing mercy on a people that he wanted to be in relationship with. And so he's going to redeem them for the purpose of them being his and him being theirs. Often we think about that when we're thinking about Good Friday and Easter. What God was doing was coming to redeem a people to his own, to make us his children, to clean us, to make it so that we could go to heaven. But my friends, that's true, but there's much more. God has so much more that he intends for us. If we fail and stop there and not go forward, but why, God? What are you doing? What do you want us to do? We don't go further, then we'll miss the opportunities to really engage in kingdom impact work today. You'll sort of live life with the idea that one day you're going to go to heaven and things are going to be different. But God is in a relationship with you today. God has made you worthy today for a very specific purpose. I think if we go a little further in the narrative of the Exodus, we'll find some of that purpose for Israel. In chapter 7, Moses goes to Pharaoh of the Egyptians, and he says to him, on behalf of God, let the people go. And God is speaking in a possessive term, so uh, as Yul Brenner says, let my people go. And he says to them, so that they may serve me. You remember that? So that they may serve. God was redeeming a people for the purpose of serving him. Redeeming a people to be in relationship with him. He wanted to be in relationship with them. God wants them to serve. Now, you and I need to get this clear that God always ministers to the world through mankind. Our issue is we were not worthy of the work of God. We, like all other people, were an idolatrous people. We were a rebellious people. As Isaiah said, we're like sheep without a shepherd. We go our own direction and go our own way and live our life the way we want it to live. And God has come 
in the midst of that rebellion, in the midst of that sin, and he says, I want to redeem you from that. I want to cleanse you of that. I want to make you clean, and I want to make you worthy, worthy for service. Now, spring forward with me, a millennial, a millennium and a half, and we come to the point that Jesus is with his disciples on the eve of his death, and as we've seen on the video, Jesus is engaging his disciples. It's a meal. It's not just any meal. It's the Passover meal. Christ has been longing for this moment, this celebration, this night, because what his life and what his ministry and what his purpose was, was sort of contained in this season in which he had made um, himself in Jerusalem with very specific purpose he's in Jerusalem for this evening. And he says to his disciples, I have been longing for this time with you. I have much to teach you. And there's several chapters in the Gospel of John which he does that very thing. But in John, he gives us in the 13th chapter some insight to what God has been moving towards all along, which has been storied in the exodus of Israel. In the 13th chapter, Jesus says, this was before the feast of the Passover, he knew that his hour was coming, that soon he would be departing. He was going to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So all this night is about a crescendo of love. That God has been showing love through the Son. and The Son has been revealing the love of God for people. And it's coming to a climax here in the Passover. Now the Passover, if you remember, commemorates the Exodus event. So what the Exodus event reminds us of is that God is bringing people out. He is redeeming them relationally and he is putting them to task. He's putting them to purpose and that is to serve him. They are going to serve him well. In fact, it would be through them that God would bless all the nations. God wanted them to be in a specific land in relationship with him and serve the world. So Jesus is coming to this night and he's saying to his disciples on this night of Passover season, I've been wanting to have this meal with you because I want you to understand something. Then he gets up and he takes off his outer clothing. And he girds himself with a towel and he kneels down and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. Of course, Peter, as Peter often does, you're not washing my feet. Well, now, Peter, if I don't wash you, then you can have nothing to do with me. Okay, wash all of me then, Peter says. If that's the way it's going to be, wash all of me. Now, now you don't all need to be washed. Uh, my word has made you to be clean. Now, only those whose feet are dirty need to be cleaned their feet clean. So he kneels down and he begins to wash his feet. And when it's finished, Jesus says, you don't understand what I've done for you right now, but you will. Then if you move on, Jesus says, then I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You ought to wash one another's feet. Truly, Truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor the, mas the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now we're getting it. What Christ is about to accomplish on the cross, 
is our redemption, no doubt. What he is about to do is to eradicate sin from our life who have faith that God sent Jesus to do just that. But what he is doing is he is making us worthy. What he is doing is he is inviting us into the initial call of mankind to be in relationship with God and do the duty that God gives mankind to do. From the very start, that was a call for Adam. Be in relationship with me and manage creation, multiply, bear my image. That was the duty for Israel. I'm redeeming you to be mine. I am redeeming you out of this place. I'm going to give you a land and you will bear my image as my people. And that's what he's calling us to do. He's redeeming out of sin. He's redeeming out of brokenness. He's redeeming us from those places of selfish rebellion and idolatry. And he's saying to us, I'm redeeming you for myself in relationship with me. I'll be in relationship with you. And I want you to do this. I want you to bear my image. And I want you to love others. Love me. Love others. And he demonstrates that to the disciples by washing their feet. And he says at the end of that, now you go do likewise. So if you're thinking Good Friday is all about Jesus dying for your sins so that you can go to heaven, that's right. But you're missing a valuable lesson that Jesus gave us. The last lesson that he gave us. Serve him as he has served us. Serve others in the manner of love that he has loved us. We wouldn't think that the sent ones would be greater than the one who sent us. So in that, we say thank you, Jesus, for making us worthy and making our lives significant, partnered with you and an eternal work that you planned before the world was put into order. I'm going to invite you to the table tonight. At the table, we are reminded of the unleavened bread and the cup that Jesus lifted and passed to his disciples. The bread, as you know, represents the sinless life of Jesus. It's without leaven to represent a life without sin. It's been broken. And you're going to take that broken bread and you're going to remember the beautiful sacrifice that God has sent in his son Jesus, the sinless one, to take on our sins so that we might be sharing in his righteousness, so that we might be clean, made worthy, not just to go to heaven one day, but to be in relationship with God today and to serve him, to love him and love others. And then you're going to take that bread and you're going to dip it into the cup, that cup which represents the new covenant, a covenant of grace that God has established for us in his son. You're going to dip it into that cup and you're going to take it in. And when you do so, it will be by faith. Faith that what Christ has accomplished on that cross and faith that he is coming again and he 
desires to find us faithful, doing the work that he has given us to do. So, Father, as we take this in, we pray that you would bless the moment with great truth, with great understanding, that we would purpose in our heart to live out the expression of service that Christ has lived before us. And since he has made us clean, made us vessels of honor, Lord, May we do the honorable thing by loving you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. May we bear the image of Christ well, who has made us new creations, and may it bring him glory in so doing. We pray this in his name. Amen. You're free to go to any of the six stations that are in the room. You can take your time. There will be plenty of opportunity for you to participate.
Sunday. And all you have to do is repeat after me, and in the chorus is real simple. So if you would like to, sing along with us before we leave.
you so much for being here tonight. We have four services that you can choose from starting tomorrow night. Tomorrow night at 6 o'clock for our Saturday night Easter service. And then on Sunday morning, as usual, we'll have our 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11 o'clock worship services as well. No life groups that we'll, we won't be meeting for life groups on Sunday morning, but come, enjoy, let's celebrate together the risen Christ. Amen? You are dismissed. Thank you for being here.